You know, it really hurts when people that you know and love make decisions in their life that cause pain for them and for all those who know them and love them. Like, for example, there was one couple that I know that over the course of time, they became more and more comfortable with over-drinking and alcohol abuse. Of course, what became an occasional drink became a more frequent drink. Pretty soon that became drinking at the bars on the weekends, which became going to the bars throughout the week. And then, of course, at that point, you start to see kids who, as they're waking up, they've got parents who won't wake up. They're still hungover. You've got parents who are moody and groggy, and they're um, inattentive and absent. And then, of course, uh, eventually job problems kicked up. And, of course, the people that this couple were hanging out with, their friends, uh, became people that just, you know, continued that, you know, draw in their life and became part of the problem. And next thing you know, fighting and flirting with some of those very friends, if you will, uh, became commonplace. A lot of the family of um, uh, this couple would want to speak to that, but it just fell on deaf ears. And eventually, to no surprise, uh, there was adultery and then there was a messy divorce. And then the family just goes on now with this fragmented marriage and messy divorce trying to limp on with the pain. But it all began when a man and a woman let down their guard. And they didn't guard their heart from the sinful influences outside of them trying to get in. And they didn't guard their heart from the sinful urges inside of them wanting to get out. And the reality is we can all think of people who have found themselves in difficult spots because they dropped their guard and they allowed their hearts to lead them to make a poor decision or have a devastating impact on their life and the lives of others around them. I'm sure many of you have been hurt or disappointed because someone you know and you know and have loved has made decisions like that. Or maybe it was you. Maybe you're the one that dropped your guard and made some poor decisions. Well, the good news is God always allows new starts. Fresh starts. He allows us to hit reset and we can have new life in Christ. But in order to make the most of that new life in Christ that we're given, we have to learn to start to guard our hearts and lives. Think about it this way. Right now, if if all of us were to get on a bus, I know that's a very big bus, all right? And uh, those of you online were to meet us somewhere. If we all went to a lake, or uh, maybe a beach or a pool, one of the things we're going to find there is a lifeguard, right? How many of you have done some lifeguarding? I know some of you have done some lifeguarding. Yeah, absolutely. You know, lifeguarding is a tough job because when you think about lifeguarding, uh, you have this, you know, pool, this body of water, this zone, this region that you're responsible for. And you have to pay very close attention to what's happening in the water, around the water, you know, keeping an eye on what's trying to get in the water, what's in the water, trying to get people out of the water. And so, you know, the lifeguards, you know, no running, no diving in the shallow end. Hey, thunder and lightning is coming. Get out of the water. There's, um, let's just say, certain particular bodily biohazards in the water. <laughs> Time to get out of the water. Some of the lifeguards I've talked to, they've actually been trained that when they're on duty, they develop this pattern of scanning. They look left to right, up, down, and then zigzag to make sure that they're not missing anything as they're watching over the zone that they're responsible for and trying to make everyone safe. Wisdom is like God's lifeguard for our heart. Regarding wisdom, God says, do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will what? 
guards you. And so as we have all these opportunities, sinful urges from within us trying to get out, sinful opportunities trying to get in, we want to tap into God's wisdom to help watch over or lifeguard over our heart and our lives. And wisdom from God helps us give the right application of the right information in our lives. God's wisdom helps us sift out the sin that wants to work its way into our hearts or crawl its way out of our hearts. And as we wrap up this series today called Wisdom for Life, we're going to end on this note of looking at some wisdom for our hearts from the Lord. Now, the word heart is mentioned around 800 times in the Bible. So clearly the heart is a big deal. And the biblical understanding of our heart, it's the Hebrew word lev, is the whole inner person. It's the core of who we are. It's the epicenter of our thinking, our reasoning, our believing, our feeling, and our will. The heart will determine what we love most and find most desirable. And the heart directs our thoughts and our actions and our attitudes. All this flows out of our lives from our hearts. And we are either utilizing God's wisdom to guard over our hearts or we are not. Now here's why this is important and it's the proverb I want you to think about most today. It's one of my favorite, personal favorite proverbs in the Bible. It's Proverbs 4.23 which says, Keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. In fact, would you say that with me? Keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. This word keep and keep your heart is the Hebrew word nasar. It means to watch over or to guard or to protect. That's why some translations will translate this verse, guard your heart or watch over your heart. We're going to use all those terms interchangeably today. God wants us to keep watch over our heart, to guard our heart, to watch over it vigilantly like an alert lifeguard watching over a pool. And we need to keep an eye on what's trying to get into our hearts and that which is trying to climb out of our hearts, which would be ungodly or sinful or damaging. And if you think about it, we don't make the effort to watch over worthless things. Like, I'm going to take a risk here and venture to say that just like me, when you take your trash out every week, like, right, if you take your trash out Wednesday night for Thursday morning, you probably don't watch over your trash all night making sure nobody touches it, right? Why? Because it's worthless. It doesn't mean anything. But at the same time, probably things that you find most valuable are in a safe, a lockbox, or something because it has value. Or you watch over it. You, have, you keep an eye on it. And when you can't, you have someone else keep an eye on it. Is there anything more valuable to what's going on in our life than our hearts? So God's saying, you've got to watch over that bad boy because it's going to want to misbehave. And you've got to watch over it because there's others in your life and there's other influences in your life that are going to want to lead your heart astray to misbehave. And when that happens, it's going to cause pain. We're to watch over our hearts. And did you notice in the verse why? We're told to watch over. We're, we're told to keep it vigilantly. We're told to guard it. But why? Because from it flow the springs of life. From it flows the springs of life. I love how God used picturesque language in his word. Now again, this sometimes can fall on deaf ears because most of us have been raised in a culture and a context where again, uh, fresh, clean, pure water is one reach and flip away, right? I mean, morning after morning, we can you know, wake up, turn a handle, and we've got fresh, clean drinking water. 
or we can reach for a bottle of water pretty quick. But we know that there's probably millions of people around the world that don't, that don't have access to clean drinking water. They, they need a spring. They need a source of clean water because it's life or death. Well, that was obviously very clear here during the writing of Proverbs. And if you were to go to the region of the writing of Proverbs, you're, you're in the Middle East or in Israel. And so uh, your life depended on having proximity to a spring of water because water is life. If you don't have water, you die. If you have bad water, you get sick. And so you would need a source, a spring of clean water. Think, for example, of the Judean wilderness. The Judean wilderness is miles, as far as you can see, of just dry desert land and rocks. There's no water out there. You desperately need to be close to a spring of living water of, you know, that will give you sustenance. That's why when you read the Old Testament, you see, for example, King David. Uh, running and hiding from King Saul, who was trying to kill him. He was hiding in the wilderness, but he hid in a place called En Gedi. En Gedi is this oasis in the middle of all that wasteland. And that En Gedi is the spring of water that gives life. This is actually En Gedi. You find this amazing oasis there in the middle of the, the wilderness. And so it gives life. And in the same way that if that spring of water were to be plugged up, or to be blocked, or to be contaminated or poisoned, it would greatly affect all those who depend on it. So in the same way, we walk through this harsh wilderness of life. Like every day, we've got difficult things going on in our life, right? Challenges in our life. And so we need to have this source of nutrition and sustenance coming out of our life, and it's going to come from the heart. And in the same way, if anything plugs up, if you've got sinful junk plugging up your heart, if you've got you know, sin that's contaminating and poisoning the heart or blocking it off, it's going to have a negative effect on your life and the lives of all the people that know you and love you. And so some of your relationships today are struggling because of what's coming out of your heart or coming out of the heart of the people that you know and love. Some of you are not guarding your hearts from things like sinful anger and unforgiveness, and arrogant pride, or racism, or lies, or sexual immorality, or self-indulgence, or greed, or envy. Therefore, the wellspring of your life, if you will, is being choked out or contaminated. This is why some of your marriages are suffering. This is why you're having tensions with some of your family and friends. This is why you're having issues or problems with neighbors or people at work or why some people are avoiding you or distance themselves from you or they have issues with you is because of what's coming out of the heart. Because if we don't guard our heart and we let it get blocked or poisoned, then what comes out of it isn't good for us and others. We have to let God's wisdom be a lifeguard for our heart. Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all vigilance for from it, flow the springs of life. Today is a new day. It's a day we can live new in Christ and we can apply this wisdom. And so in an effort to help us better you know, keep watch over our hearts, we're going to look at a few practical tactics that God gives us in Proverbs 4, as well as touch on the spiritual power available to us that helps us watch over and guard our hearts. So Proverbs 4.23, we've got that unlocked, right? Keep, uh, keep over your heart with vigilance because from it flow the springs of life. But if you were to keep reading through Proverbs 4, you see the next verse, it basically talks about how we need to guard our hearts by watching over our mouths. 
Verse 24 says, put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. So we're cautioned here to get rid of crooked speech and devious talk. This is speech that is deceptive, that's distorted, that's damaging, words that are twisted and perverted. Uh, God has put into his word enough content about our speech that we could probably do a whole series on just how he wants us to use uh, his words. And here's why, because our speech has an uncanny way of both revealing what's in our heart, but also conditioning and training our heart. Our speech reveals what's in our heart, but also can condition and train our heart. And eventually, what's in our heart is going to leak out through our words. Jesus said that, right? He said, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. And so when these things start to escape our mouths, they're a peak of what's inside our hearts. So we need to keep watch over our mouth to help subdue those sinful inclinations. Because once our sinful urges escape our mouths through words, they take on life, they take on power, they can direct us, and they can direct others away from God. So we need to watch over our mouths. We need to make sure that we're not weaponizing our words. The words we choose, the tone we choose, the the anger we choose to uh, harness with our words, they can condition us to start to develop sinful attitudes and eventually greatly hurt other people. I hope you know that if you consistently start to speak hatefully to a person or consistently start uh, talking hatefully about a person, you're actually training your heart to despise them. If, If you are more frequently just talking negative about other people or talking bad to them, you're actually training your heart to learn how to hate them. You're conditioning your heart. You're training your heart. And so that's not guarding our heart like the Lord says. So just some practical understandings here. If you find yourself often using hurtful words carelessly, name-calling, or using words and tones that are always tearing others down, you're not guarding your mouth, which means you're not guarding your heart. And you're obviously not guarding the heart of others as well in that moment. If you choose to speak lies over truth, or believe lies or spread lies over truth, You are not guarding your mouth or your heart. If you use words to manipulate, cheat, or control others, you're not guarding your mouth or your heart. If you find yourself being a chronic complainer or chronic critic, you are not guarding your mouth or your heart. So if you want to guard your heart, then you have to guard your mouth. This is a practical, tactical thing to do. By no longer using crooked speech and devious talk, but instead speaking truth, believing truth, sharing truth, hearing truth, and building up others with our words. And nowadays, uh, we probably you know, can see this coming, this would extend to what we type and what we text. Because our fingers and our thumbs are just acting on behalf of our mouths. And so if you're constantly typing negativity, constantly typing mean things, texting mean things, in the same way, what's in your heart's coming out and you are probably conditioning your heart to becoming more spiteful and hateful to whoever you're speaking to negatively or about negatively. And so we need to learn to guard our mouth. Let's do what the psalmist says in Psalm 141.3. He asked the Lord in a prayer, he says, Set a guard, O Lord, 
over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. This is a great verse to kind of have on lock and memorized. A lot of us probably wish we had that memorized before we've said certain things at certain moments, right? Because once we, once we get those words out there, we can't get it back. And we've all done it. I've spoken carelessly in, in, in ways I shouldn't have. You've spoken carelessly in ways you should have. This is a request. God set a card over my mouth. Would you just, would you just clamp my mouth shut? <laughs> Can you just give me three to five seconds of not speaking so that I don't do anything or say anything stupid, right? And so this is part of watching over our mouth, which will help us watch over our heart. I would also encourage you that guarding yourself from what comes out of the mouth can also apply to guarding yourself out of what comes out of the mouth of other people. And so, for example, think about maybe the talk radio you listen to or the music you listen to. If, if what's being talked about or sang about or rapped about or whatever uh, provokes anger in you, provokes um, bitterness in you, or if the themes are all about you know, improper sexuality, immorality, violence, or maybe it's about um, dehumanizing other people, obviously you're not guarding your ears from what's coming out of the mouths of others. And so if we're really going to guard our hearts, we've got to guard our mouth. That's a practical, tactical tip that God's given us. Also, we guard our hearts by keeping watch over our eyes. So Proverbs 4.25, if you continue in Proverbs 4, says, let your eyes look directly forward and let your gaze be straight before you. Where some of us have gone wrong in uh, watching over our hearts is we haven't watched over our eyes. Some of the contamination of our springs of life, if you will, started with a wandering eye. It was a glimpse of something shiny and distracting, perhaps fleshly or forbidden. And then we slowly let our guard down and we became the lifeguard that instead of being alert at the pool watching out, it becomes the lifeguard who's texting or talking with a friend. And so imagine you're at a public pool and you, you watch the lifeguards and they're supposed to be watching over the little kids and instead they're just testing up the storm on their phone. They're not paying attention, they're distracted. Their eyes are not where they need to be. Or maybe they're having a 30-minute conversation with a friend at the tower that's not going to go well. They're not doing their job because they're distracted. Their eyes are not where they need to be. If we're going to guard our hearts, we've got to guard our eyes and the directional pathway of our eyes, which should be focused on the Lord. Here's a few biblical examples. King Solomon, wisest man who ever lived, right? Loved the Lord, but King Solomon became distracted by his many wives and all the types of spiritual beliefs that they had. And eventually he turned to idol worship because he didn't guard his eyes. A Judas who walked with Jesus. Think about all that Judas saw. He experienced everything else the disciples experienced, the miracles, the teaching, right? All of that. But he didn't believe it. He got distracted by disbelief and his eyes got set on greed and therefore he betrayed Jesus. The rich young ruler, a man who came and decided that he wanted to follow Jesus, but because his eyes were set on his wealth, decided not to. Or the apostle Paul, he speaks of a man named Demas who used to be a worker, a co-worker of his in the, the, the gospel. He says Demas deserted him because his eyes got fixed on the world and started to love the world. We see these examples that what you fix your eyes on, you're going to start to love and serve. I hope you know that if you look at something long enough, you're going to want it. If you keep indulging with the eyes, eventually you're going to want whatever that is. So if that's an ad... You know, and you start to see something in an ad, you're going to want that if you keep looking at it. Or that car, or that house, or maybe that guy, or that girl. Like, look, 
If you start to see an ad for a canoe every day and you start looking at it multiple times, you're going to start to want a canoe. I don't care if you even want a canoe. I don't care if you've even never been in a canoe. At some point, you're just going to be like, I think I need a canoe. And I want that canoe. It's a great deal. And you're going to go buy that canoe. Why? Because continuing to stare at it has captivated your heart and has leaned your heart toward it, and now you're going to go after it. So what are we staring at? What are we fixing our eyes on? You know, Psalm 101.3 says, I will set before my eyes, I will not set before my eyes anything that's worthless. And some of us are just putting just worthless junk in front of our eyes. Whether that's the the stuff we're watching on our screens or chasing after the shiny things of this world. You know, and we need to be committed to protecting our eyes from taking in tempting distractions. We need to do what the Lord tells us through the book of Hebrews. It says to look to Jesus. Some translations say fix your eyes on Jesus. Look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. See, the wisdom for the heart says we are to set our eyes on the prize of Christ and keep looking forward. We are to have a mind made up, single-mindedness, laser-focused, tunnel vision, determination to follow Christ and not let anything else distract us from Him. So if you're looking around at what everyone else is doing and you want to make decisions based on popular opinion, you're not guarding your eyes. You're not guarding your heart. If you're looking back at past sins and past mistakes, and you're just stuck in a place of being paralyzed from past mistakes, you're not guarding your eyes. You're not guarding your heart. If you're distracted by present opportunities to sin, or maybe even anticipating future opportunities to sin, you're not guarding your eyes. You're not guarding your hearts. If the screens you're watching are filled with immoral sexual scenes and messages, you're not guarding your eyes. You're not guarding your heart. If you're coveting what others have, you're not guarding your eyes or your heart. And so if we're going to keep the springs of water that flow from our heart from being contaminated or from being blocked up, we need to be able to watch over our eyes in our efforts to keep our hearts vigilantly so that those springs can flow freely. So God tells us that we need to guard our hearts by keeping watch over our mouths. We need to guard our hearts by keeping watch over our eyes. And also we need to guard our hearts by keeping watch over our feet. If you continue on in Proverbs 4, verses 26 and 27, says, ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. So keeping watch over our feet means to ponder, consider, give careful thought to the steps that we take so that we can have good footing as we walk this life. I want you to think about times that you've walked on uneven territory. Maybe you've walked on cobblestone. Maybe you've been down at Little Italy or something or some other place where there's uneven rocks. Like You're a little more careful where you step. Also, if you were to be on the side of a mountain where there was one to two feet of a path that wound up the side of the mountain, you would be really careful about where you're stepping. Because if you don't, down you go, right? And we wake up every day feeling like, oh, it's just this manicured landscape path that we get to walk on every day. No, it's not. Not every day. And sometimes we find ourselves on the side of the hill with that uncertain footing. We have to watch over our feet and the steps that we take and who we take them with. 
you know, we may all find ourselves on the wrong paths at times in our lives, engaged in sinful choices, hanging out with the wrong influences, or even being on paths that would lead us to become overworked, overstressed, and underbelieving. And the sick truth about that is the longer we stay on the wrong path, the harder it is to get off of it, right? And so we have to be careful. We, we fool ourselves thinking, oh, I, I got this. I can be on this path and I can get unharmed. It's not going to hurt me. It hurts other people, but not me. And we start to tell ourselves lies and justifications that get us stuck. And so since the paths that we take have a significant impact on our heart and the hearts of those that are in our lives, we need to step carefully and stay on the path that keeps our vertical relationship with Jesus strong and our horizontal relationship with the people in our lives healthy. Staying on the trail of God's truth helps us watch over our hearts with vigilance. Think about walking on a trail in a jungle, and this is sometimes more like life feels like is you're on this trail in the jungle, right? And the jungle calls to you. It's like, hey, come out here. There's fun stuff. And something inside of us wants to go off-road, like there's some fun stuff out there. But if you stay on the trail, you know you're safe. But the second you go off-road, that's when you fall in the pit. That's when you find this stuff called quicksand, right? That's when a hungry, prowling lion devours you. And so we have to keep our eyes forward and then let our feet walk where we follow the Lord. Or else we're not guarding our feet, which means we're not guarding our heart. And next thing we know, the springs of life are plugged up or poisoned. Proverbs 16, 17 says, The highway of the upright turns aside from evil. Whoever guards his way preserves his life. This is, you start to see the theme, <laughs> the themes that God has given us as we go through this wisdom for the heart. So God makes it clear, don't swerve to the left, don't swerve to the right. And it's hard because the sinful desires inside of us and the, the sinful culture outside of us team up, Right? Like the, the, the sinful nature inside of us is like, I want that wrong thing. And the world out there is going, the wrong thing is not bad. Everyone else is doing it. And they team up and try to convince us to come off the path. And the Lord is saying, you want to guard your heart? Guard your feet. Watch your step. And I would also add to that, make sure you're following or walking with people who are trying to stay on the right path too. Because if you start to walk with people on the wrong path, inevitably you'll be on the wrong path too. Proverbs 13 20 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes what? Wise. But the companion of fools will suffer what? Harm. Like that's God speaking. Look, if you hang out with fools, it's going to hurt you. But somehow we convince ourselves, well, not me. Like it's going to hurt them. It hurts these other people. It's just not going to hurt me. And now you're resisting the very thing that God has said. And we've deceived ourselves into thinking that we're going to be shielded from pain if we hang out with the wrong people or that we'll be immune to the pain if uh, we walk the wrong path, but others mess up, but we don't. Now, obviously, as followers of Christ, we want to have relationships with people who are on the wrong paths. We want to reach out to them and, and try to point them to the Lord, but that doesn't mean we have to go walk down the same paths that they walked down. We try to influence them, not let them influence us. So if you aren't distancing yourself from people who invite you into sinful situations, then you're not guarding your feet and you're not guarding your heart. If you aren't setting up boundaries in your life against sinful invitations, 
and sinful situations, then you're not guarding your feet or your heart. If you're not asking yourself before you take a misstep if this will please God or if this is a wise choice or if this will hurt others, then you're not guarding your feet or your heart. I would even say that if you do not have an exit plan already in place, that if you find yourself being tempted to sin, that it's not there already, then you're not guarding your feet and you're not guarding your heart. Like, let's not kid ourselves. Have an exit plan in place. You can hear all the intentionality of the scripture. Like, the second we find ourselves in a situation, we're all going to find ourselves in a situation where temptation comes against us. If you're going to wait to that moment to like, okay, let's see, let's come up with a plan now. That's not good. That's not guarding your feet. That's not watching over or keeping over with vigilance. That's being clumsy and sloppy and lazy. And so you've got to have a plan right now, like if this person comes on to me, if this you know, movie has this type of scene in it, if this person invites me to this particular gathering, if this person invites me to use, no, I'm not answering the door. I'm not turning the computer off. I'm turning off the TV. I'm, not going, to, I'm going to call that friend for backup. Like You have the plan ready to go, so you just execute it when the temptation comes. Don't play that game of like, well, I'll just find out what happens when I'm in the moment and then figure it out from there. Now you're kind of like a 50-50 chance of failure and success, right? This is what it means to guard your feet. Also, if you are not in the word of God regularly and spending time with the Lord in prayer, you're not guarding your feet and your heart. And just in case I stuttered or mumbled or spoke a different language, let let me repeat this. If you're not regularly in God's word and you're not regularly spending time with the Lord in prayer, you're not guarding your feet or your hearts. Psalm 119.9 says, How can a young man keep his way, right, his way pure by guarding it according to your what? Word. It's God's word. It gives us the power and the information that we need to apply. Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet, and it's a light to my path. The problem is some of your lights are out. They're hidden. They're like on a bookcase somewhere, dusty. The reason some of you are so easily going down the wrong path is because you're not in the Lord's word. You're not talking with the Lord. Your Bible somewhere is just not being read. Or maybe, I'm just saying this, maybe if you look at your screen time, If your Facebook and Instagram and social media feeds have more time than your Bible app, that might be the problem. Or if you're not spending time in God's Word, but you've sure got a lot of other, you know, you're looking at the news and you're looking at the politics and you're looking at all those things, but you're not in God's Word, maybe that's the problem. It's God's Word. If we're not in God's Word regularly, if we're not praying to the Lord, we're not guarding our feet. Guard your time with the Lord in order to guard your feet and your heart. And God's word will help you watch over your feet, which will lead you to guard your heart. Your heart is never really in neutral. I think that's kind of a bold statement. I've wrestled with saying it, but I've come to believe this to be true. Your heart is never really in neutral. It's either on a path leading you away from God or it's on a path leading you to God. Neutral is a lie. Neutral is deception. Neutral is a comfortable way to say, I'm not going backwards when you really are. Our hearts are on a path right now that either leads us to the Lord or away from the Lord. Which path are you on? Like right now, 
this moment, right? At whatever time, 11.51 a.m. Sunday morning, are you on a path taking you to the Lord closer or are you on a path right now taking you further from the Lord? Are you guarding your mouth and your eyes and your feet or are all your defenses down? Well, these are the practical tactics that God's given us and they're good, but they're empty and powerless without Jesus Christ. The ability to guard our mouth, you want to rely on just human ability? Have fun with that. The ability to guard our eyes and to guard our feet, if you want to just rely on human effort, it'll get you a little bit down the road, but it's going to fall short. The only way we're going to have the ability to employ these tactics, like those, uh, these, is to truly guard our hearts with the supernatural and spiritual power God's given us through His Holy Spirit. So when we look at Proverbs 4.23, and some of you might have had this verse come to mind, when we said, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life, some of you heard an echo of Jesus in John 7, where he said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then I love this little, you know, clarifier. Now this he said about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, right? Whom those who believed in him were to receive. Because the Spirit hadn't come yet. So for those who believe in Jesus as their Savior, when you cross that threshold of faith, when you acknowledge that you're a sinner who is separated by, uh, from God by your sin, and you realize that good works and religion or anything else is not going to you know, uh, uh, meld that relationship, fix that relationship, and you come to Jesus who died on the cross for your sins, who rose from the grave, the moment you cross that threshold of faith, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. He comes to indwell you. And it's the Spirit's power that gives us the ability to do these tactics. It's His power that helps us watch over our hearts because the Holy Spirit lives in us. Now, just a little uh, clarity. Because a lot of times when we start talking about the heart, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, sometimes you ask, like, wait a, wait a second. I've heard about asking Jesus in my heart, right? So if I ask Jesus into my heart, is He there? But I also heard you talk about, is the Holy Spirit in me? So which is it? Is it Jesus in me or the Holy Spirit in me? And the answer is yes, right? Because Ephesians 3, 16 and 17 says this, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power, right? This is a supernatural power to guard our heart. He will be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So the Holy Spirit's in you so that Christ may dwell in your, what? Hearts, through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. And so when Christ comes in and he takes up residence and then his spirit who's in us starts to have the power to get us to guard our heart at a different level that we could never do on our own. We can guard the heart and springs of life that flow from it because of the living water that Jesus provides in us. And I love that. When Jesus comes into it, we don't just get a sip of the living water. We don't get like just a bottle to carry around. The river now is inside of us, an unending, ever-flowing spring of living water exists in you if you are in Christ. And it's his power that gives us the ability to guard our hearts, to watch over our hearts, to keep our hearts with vigilance. It's the Lord's work. So our job, surrender to the Lord. Yield to the Lord and let his power work through our life. So many of you here are probably in a good place with the Lord. 
you're walking with the Lord, you're listening to the wisdom of uh, the Lord in your heart. If that wasn't the case, you, you wouldn't be here, right? And so I encourage you, like, keep faithful. Keep faithful. Let's say be a reminder to just be fiercely devoted to Christ and his ability through the Holy Spirit to help you watch over your mouth, watch over your eyes, watch over your feet, and to guard your heart. Let today be a boost for what's already going well in your life. Maybe some of you, you know Christ, but you drifted. You're on the wrong path. My encouragement to you today is get off that path and get right back on the path that's going to serve you, your heart, and those who love you best. That's going to make you spiritually healthy and potent. The reason some of you aren't sharing Christ or making a difference in God's kingdom is because you've just been sidelined by being on the wrong path. Come back for the Lord. Guard your heart. Surrender the Holy Spirit in humility. Allow God to uh, do a fresh work in your life as you uh, recommit your life to the Lord. And maybe some of you watching online or here live, it's just become very evident you don't have a relationship with Christ, which means your heart is completely unguarded. It's absolutely vulnerable. It's so my encouragement to you is come to Christ. And you can just do that by telling the Lord, I need to come to you. <laughs> I'm sinful, I'm lost, I'm broken. I'm coming to you. I admit I'm a sinner. And I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose from the grave and I commit my life to following you. And you just tell the Lord that. And just start to experience the Lord helping you guard your heart and the springs that flow from it. Sometimes the purity is instant. Sometimes it takes a little bit to filter out, but God will do the work. And if you come to Christ today, we would love to help you grow. We would love to walk with you and celebrate that with you. But you just need to let us know that you came to Christ. And so if you're online, you can email us at connect at cvconline.org. If you're here, just take that response card that's in your program. Put, today I've given my life to Jesus Christ. Put that in the baskets that come around shortly. And give us an email or a phone number. and We'll get in touch with you and tell you how you can grow in your relationship with Christ. I want to come back to the verse that we've been talking about today. My challenge for major application today is to memorize Proverbs 4.23. So would you say this with me? Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Again, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Please memorize that. Get it on lock. As you look at what's going on in your heart, the hearts of others around you. Let this be an encouragement to you, a guide to you, a lifeguard from the Lord to watch over your heart. Let's pray that verse right now. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for today. And Lord, you made our hearts. You created our hearts. You know them. You know every thought in our heart. You know the capacity of our hearts. So Lord, we thank you for that power you have to not just create the heart, but to steer the heart. Lord, thank you for the freedom you've given us, Lord. You didn't just make us uh, incapable of making choices, just robotic. You've allowed us to, to have a degree of freedom in this life, Lord. We confess that we have not always made good choices. We have not always guarded our hearts. And for that, we're sorry. And we thank you for the forgiveness that's ours in Christ. So right now, in the name of Jesus, we lay hold of the power of Christ to Keep our hearts with vigilance. Lord, will you help us to watch over our hearts, to guard our hearts? Lord, would you watch over the springs of life that flow from our hearts? 
Lord, be with our words and with our eyes, with where our feet walk. May they be pleasing to you, Lord, and glorify you. Lord, I especially pray that for those who are graduating, Lord, those who've graduated this last couple weeks and the weeks to come. Lord, may this verse be a guiding verse for them as they step into this new season of life. Lord, we take your word serious to keep our hearts with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. Father, may we do so to our good and to your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name and we all sit together.